Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. On today's show, we're going to talk a little about micronutrients. I don't care what crop you're raising, or for that matter, even if you just have a lawn, maybe it's a garden, shelter belt, whatever it is, you need micronutrients in your crop, or whatever it is you're trying to grow, it needs micronutrients. Now, granted, it's not going to need a lot, but it is going to need some. And sometimes it's that $5 we invest in the farm that can make us just as much money as the $100 we invest in something else. So we're going to talk about micronutrients throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, I I occasionally forget what our topic's going to be for the day until I get into the studio, and I'm like, oh, great. We have to talk about micronutrients. I was literally just sending something out to a bunch of agronomists about micronutrients and the importance. So one nutrient that a lot of soybean farmers talk about is manganese, and everybody wants to say, oh, it's the Roundup tying up the manganese. No possible chance that's happening. No way, no how, that's not real. We've proven it in research. That's not what's going on. Here's what's actually going on. You don't have enough manganese in your field. And now that you're getting higher yield levels, it's finally starting to show up, which is why we see a lot of plant tissue tests, a lot of soil tests, where it's just low on manganese. So it has nothing to do with Roundup or whatever herbicide you're using. You just need some manganese. Now, granted, you don't need like lots of manganese, but you need some. So that's something for you to take a look at. Another thing for you to think about, zinc and copper. And with both of these, I also didn't realize the importance until we started about five, six years ago comparing all our soil test grid points to yield. Very eye-opening on our farm. And let me just give you an example. So first year, we, we do all these tests, and I'm like, oh, wow, it looks like we need more copper. So we put more copper on. Next year, all the tests came, and, and here, here's what we're doing, by the way, just to step back. We do one-acre soil test grids. And so at each of those GPS points where we pull the soil test, so we pull the soil test right from that point, then we look at yield right from that point, and then we chart these all out. And we farm about 3,500 crop acres, and every year we're doing... 2,000, 3,000 acres worth of soil testing. So that's two to 3,000 tests per year. So we have all kinds of data now. It's not just a couple little strip trials or anything like that. No, we have thousands and thousands of points of data. It's great. But anyway, the first year, the trend line was basically we needed more copper. So we put more copper on. The second year, the trend line was we needed less copper. And I go, whoa, wait a second. I don't think that our first year data was wrong. So I started looking into it a little bit more, and what it came down to was the phosphorus to copper ratio. Now, you have most likely heard about the phosphorus to zinc ratio. A lot of people talk about that somewhere in the ballpark of 10 to 1 kind of ratio. But there's a phosphorus to copper ratio too. Now, I don't know exactly exactly what the right number is, but I know where you can screw it up because we did. <laughs> so I'll just tell you, in the ballpark of 30 to 1 phosphorus to copper, roughly, all depends on the type of test you're running and that kind of thing. 
But yeah, we had some where basically after this first, after the first year of all these tests, we said, you know, we need to stick more money into micronutrients. And we did. <laughs> but it was my own fault because at the time I was thinking, well, it looks like we're good on phosphorus. We can take some of our phosphorus dollars, stick them into micronutrients. It, it was dumb and it was all me. So I screwed it up. And basically we had lowered our phosphorus level while we were raising all our micronutrient levels. We got our phosphorus to zinc ratio out of whack in some fields. We got our phosphorus to copper ratio out of whack. It wasn't a tough fix. The very next year we just put more phosphorus on to get ourselves in ratio. But by having all that data, wow, it was powerful because then we could see, well, where do our phosphorus to zinc levels need to be? And where do our phosphorus, where does our phosphorus to copper ratio need to be? And now we're able to dial that in a lot better and we're in a lot better shape. So anyway, we're going to talk about micronutrients throughout the show. But I just wanted to bring this up because understand it's not just about micronutrients. It's about the relationship of micronutrients to other nutrients in the field. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, a uh, bunch of different questions here today, so I will start with this one. Uh, we talked about prowl and sweet corn being a bad combo yesterday. Yep. PD from Idaho said, can you guys talk a little more about that uh, pre, what if you waited and put it on post? Uh, also, separately, you talked about sweet corn and accent Q being a potential for escape grasses, but I think you guys were up against a commercial break and didn't speak about it very much. Were you concerned about height restrictions on the corn and on the grasses you're trying to control? Okay, so first of all, with the prowl. Prowl has been labeled on corn for years and years. The problem is you can't put it on pre-emerge. You're going to want, well, you possibly could very late pre-emerge but the whole thing is if it gets down in the root zone it is going to hurt the roots period so i don't like it on corn i've had guys use it before on corn and i look at it and i go guys you're hurting the crop here so but this was back 25 30 years ago there were more people using prowl because we didn't have all these other great options for grass control in corn. And so guys are like, well, I got sand burr and group 15s aren't the best and I can't use eradicane anymore So, because I'm going no-till. So what do I do? <laughs> well, today what you would do is something else other than prowl, uh, whether it's Roundup or Liberty or, I mean, we got, we've got options. But I, I would just say on the prowl, that's the reason why we want to avoid it. It's going to hurt the roots. When we start talking about accent Q, the Q is a safener. So old accent, we always felt was hard on corn, especially hard on sweet corn or anything like that. The Q safens it, but nevertheless, uh, we worry a little about the corn. We also worry a lot about, are we going to kill the grass? We need that grass small, two inches or shorter is best. We'll talk a little more about that right after this. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH built by farmers. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey, Paul Revere! 
This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. Today we are talking about micronutrients. But right before the break, we had this question about Accent Q. And I just want to finish up and clarify a couple of things here. First of all, in terms of height restriction, um, you can look on the label and it's going to tell you what to do. And here's the thing, and this is the reason why I often tell people don't just look at the label. Yes, you have to follow the label, but it's really helpful when you can talk to an agronomist also. Because, for example, it'll say right in the Accent Q label um, that you can spray corn up to 36 inches tall and you can spray sweet corn up to 18 inches tall. Okay, there are some things in life you can do, but you shouldn't do. You need to get your Accent Q on by the time you hit V5 at the latest. That's the safest way for handling any corn. And then on the other side of it, it's also about killing the weeds. The weeds need to be small. If you think you're going to kill much grass that's bigger than two inches tall, good luck. It's possible you might get it at four inches, but you've already lost a substantial amount of yield. So we want to see you spraying as early as possible. Always try to be ahead of the game. I'd way rather have you spray just a little too early and then a few weeds come back later. That's not going to hurt your yield near as much is if you wait, let all the weeds come up, and then a bunch of them are big, and you might possibly kill everything, but there's yield damage that's already been done. It's a really big deal. So spray as early as possible, even with Accent Q. All right. Our topic today is micronutrients, and we got our friend Kelly Garrett down in Iowa. He works with the Extreme Ag Group. Uh, and Kelly knows a thing or two about micros from his own farm as well. Kelly, thanks for joining us. How are you, Darren? Darren, I think that Brian had a great teaching moment there, and there are things that you can do but you shouldn't do as a rule that Amber would probably tell you I should follow more often. <laughs> That's years of experience, Kelly. That's years of experience, yes. Yes, sir. All right, talk to us about the micros, because I know you've tried lots of things, and so for, for growers that are listening today that uh, maybe they've done a little bit with zinc or maybe they've done a little bit with boron, but they haven't really... Uh, dived in with all these micros that our crops need. Where do you start, and, and what are some of the lessons you've learned over the years? 
zinc is a great one to start with because we know that we want 10 times phosphorus for the amount of zinc. And a lot of times we don't have enough zinc, almost every time. And so what a great micronutrient to, to start with and to look at. So we look at that in our soil levels and in our plant tissue levels to try to get that 10 to 1 ratio. And then it goes on from there. Uh, here at our farm this, this last winter, we really dived in and studied the nitrogen story of the plant is what we want to talk about. And we've even started talking about trying to calibrate the plant. You know, we've, we've even gone on from the word balance. Copper, molybdenum, uh, cobalt, uh, zinc, iron, calcium, all of these are important to help the plant assimilate the nitrogen. And in farming, Darren, uh, the holy grail is raising corn. In farming in our, our neck of the woods, right? The holy grail is raising corn, and the holy grail of raising corn is turn up the nitrogen. That is a mistake. Don't turn up the nitrogen. Turn up the micronutrients to help balance that plant. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you think about all the essential elements for the plant, and if we get one way out of balance, that's not necessarily a good thing. And you mentioned nitrogen there. Oh, boy. That gets a lot of guys nervous, Kelly, if you say you might be over-applying nitrogen. I agree. I, I know it is. I know it's hard to hear, but just take a few acres and study it. We learned... We, we've learned on our farm, you know, we have good soil in western Iowa. We learned how much nitrogen that the soil is actually mineralizing. It was a fascinating study, fascinating research to learn. We've turned down the nitrogen on our farm, and we've turned up the micros. You know, part of that, too, is having realistic yield goals. And I talk to guys all the time, well, I'm shooting for 300 bushel corn. Yes, but not every acre on your field is going to get there. And when we're putting on that flat rate and going for that high number that you're shooting for that you might see on the yield monitor in parts of the field, uh, that that's kind of one of those tricky things, too, of, well, I don't really know what I'm going to get. Then maybe you need to spoon feed it and put a little bit more out later. That was always my dad's thought is I'm going to just plan on getting 100 or 150 bushel. And if I happen to get 200 or whatever that big number is for your farm, I can always put on more. Exactly right. And spoon feeding micronutrients is the way to go. You know, we want to put some on in furrow with the planter, and then we're going to come back at, at, at the V5, like Brian was talking about, at that post chem pass, and we're going to put on some more. And then at VT, when we put on the next round of PGRs and we put on the fungicide, we're going to put on more micros. And now we've even added an R5 pass. If, if it looks like the corn has top-end yield potential, we're going to go back with an R5 pass, like I said, and it started with just insecticide and potassium. Now it's going to be an insecticide if needed, it's going to be potassium, and it's going to be another round of micronutrients to continually try to balance all that nitrogen that we're receiving from the soil. Very interesting. I, I always like uh, looking at people that are studying the crop and seeing where am I getting my benefit from? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? You got to be realistic on these things. And micros is one area that I think if I asked a hundred farmers, uh, I bet 99 of them would say, you know, I probably should look more at micros or, or maybe they even know they need to step up their game on micros and uh, love seeing what you guys are doing down there. Kelly, again, we're talking with Kelly Garrett farms down in Iowa and works with the extreme ag group. Kelly, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Got a friend, Paul Borges, out in California right now. Works with Stanislaus Farm Supply there. Paul, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? 
We're doing well, but we're talking about micros. And for some farmers, they're scared to ask the questions, Paul, because, man, am I am I missing something here? Because I don't feel like I don't know enough about these micros. You got to start somewhere and, and just asking that question. Boy, I don't know much about micros. Uh, when you get that question, Paul, where do you start with growers? Uh, usually we start with the one that's most deficit. Most time, like around us, might be zinc. And we've done in the past where we left the zinc off for a couple passes in the field and add the zinc to the rest of the field so they can visually see the difference. And then on the tissue samples and the soil samples, you, you know, they, they start to trust what you're saying about zinc, copper, manganese, and iron, where they should be at. And then they understand why we're trying to get there. Then they usually a little more easier by letting the supply what needs to be done for the crop because at the end of the day, the proof's of the pudding. Yeah, it sure is. I, I know talking to gardeners and people that raise vegetable type crops, they say they can influence color. They can influence taste. There's a lot of little aspects uh, in addition to yield that you can influence with micros. You get to work with a lot of these different crops, Paul. Uh, what are some of the tricks of the trade out there in terms of, boy, you need to make sure you have enough of this or enough of that if you want to have great quality vegetables? Yeah, and one of the biggest things is something real simple is SOP, that sulfate and sulfur will make carbohydrates, which makes sugar, makes the peaches a little sweeter, uh, adds flavor to most fruit. Um, and strawberries or berries, anything you're picking, blackberries, blueberries, bumping the copper a little bit helps with the elasticity of the skin. So when you're touching to find out when it's ready, it's not disrupting the membrane and it won't spoil that fruit. A lot of people don't do that, and when we, you can see where we did it where the shelf life was longer also for that customer. Yeah, that's a big deal. I know on our farm we were running into that issue on soybeans, that, that we were getting beans that were big, and the, the seed coat wasn't stretching enough, and we were having some seed coats yeah. that were cracking and those types of things. I was just talking to a seed corn producer today, and they were talking about that they've got some corn seed that sometimes – they, they get some damage to the pericarp, and, and they have some internal cracking that you don't even see on the outside or notice with the naked eye, but it makes a big difference if they don't get these balances right. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. Copper is like one that most guys around here forget because there used to be a lot of peach growers, so there's plenty of copper in the ground on some of these ranches. But the places that there isn't, it also helps with like on almond trees, Number one is potassium for strength, but copper is right behind it for elasticity so it could, the trees could give and retract back. Same thing in the corn plant. In a windy day, you need you know you need to have good potassium numbers. You need to have everything in place, but that helps with that stretching of the skin and bring it back. And like I talked about earlier about picking the fruit, tomatoes, whatever, that skin could take that touch of the human hand, you know, feeling it all the time to see when it's ripe. Well, we talk about all this food right in the middle of the day, Paul. It just makes me hungry here. <laughs> Think about all these tasty things. That, but, you know, you mentioned uh, this to start things off. we got to take soil samples. we got to see what's in the soil. And then we got to address all these essential nutrients. Paul, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. You always give great advice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. 
A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and talking about micronutrients. I know we're seeing a lot of in-season applications right now, whether it's foliar, whether it's laying it beside the row, whether it's broadcasting over the top with dry. There's a lot of things happening out there or, or running nutrients through a, a pivot or some type of irrigation system. One of, one of the things that we get questions about is, okay, I'm putting out nitrogen or I'm putting out sulfur or I'm putting out whatever big nutrient. How about adding some micros in there? Which ones should I be using? What should I be looking at? So we're talking about micronutrients on our show today, and our phone lines are open as well at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have specific questions on micronutrients or really any other agronomic topic. Set up north of the border. Got our friend Kellen Huber on right now with Keltech Agronomy. How you doing, Kellen? Standing in the field. Excellent. That's perfect. What are you seeing out yeah, there? What are you looking actually, at today? We are looking at 
lentils, we've been looking at canola, and we're just looking at the field, and uh, we're going to look at that. A lot of things that we've done this spring, and, you know, we trust, but we're kind of going back. We've got to verify. Yeah, you definitely have to keep an eye on things throughout the season, no doubt about that. Uh, all right, Kellen, you get to work yeah. with lots of different crops up there, lots of different soils as well, and I know that you're pretty passionate about getting this nutrient balance right. How big a deal are the micronutrients? Well, the micronutrients, as I want to go back to what Kelly was talking about, everybody's concerned about nitrogen and everybody wants to grow that bigger crop, but how do we effectively deal it? And you know, I just got to echo the remarks is, you know, pour more nitrogen to it. But actually what we've been seeing when we do get the right nutrients of the micronutrients, especially things like zinc, uh, boron, copper, molybdenum, we're seeing a lot more conversion of nitrogen, which is creating those extra yields. So one of the big things that I love working with, and I'm seeing tremendous, tremendous results are, is sulfur. And I really want to focus in on elemental sulfur because it really seems to bring the chelated, tied-up micronutrients that are in the soil, making them more available, zinc being one of them. You know, you mentioned that. When we look at soils, we see a lot of soils with pH that's completely out of whack. I would say kind of that ideal range for me, for a lot of the crops that I work with is in the low sixes to to maybe upper sixes. We'd like to be somewhere in that range. Now, obviously, if you're raising alfalfa, you may say, no, 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 that's too low for me. I need to be at a seven for my alfalfa. Okay, fine. Let's just say six to seven for most crops. When you're at an eight, or when you're at a 5 or a 4.5, you've got a lot of trouble getting some of these nutrients to be available. And with, with micros, they're out in the soil in relatively small quantities. We kind of need availability here. So you mentioned elemental sulfur, and we look at high pH soils. A lot of guys want to make that work. Why doesn't it work for, for guys outside of drainage? Let's just say, okay, I'm working on the drainage, but I want to convert this high pH soil and free some nutrients. How come sometimes elemental sulfur works and sometimes it doesn't well i think it depends on you know i i talk about the balance of calcium and the balance of elemental sulfur so we take and work into that sulfuric acid which is going to help you know um uh, metabolize some of the magnesium make it more mobile and make it because magnesium ties up a lot of our nutrients and, and ie it doesn't take much to, to do that with micronutrients but you know the zinc side of things you know, you're really responsible for getting a lot of water uptake into the plant. And again, that comes back into potassium. Potassium, zinc are the two main factors. But we were actually just looking at some of the fields here today on uh, that are high pH where we actually put calcium down last fall. And even doing stuff like strategic tillage, you know, we're just looking at some lentil fields and some cereal fields where we did some tillage work, you know, which is kind of uncommon for Western Canada to take and do strategic tillage. But we actually seeing quite a noticeable difference in overall health of the plant. And you're not seeing, you know, like right now, we've had everything from all kinds of heat conditions. Darren, we've actually hit 100 degrees F up here in the last little bit with, you know, indexes and moisture you know, high humidities, but we're also seeing extremely cold soils. So that's really hard on a plant. And if you don't have good manganese, good zinc, you know, even some helpful copper, your stress factor, your disease loads, 
your overall uh, germination of that crop really struggles. And then, you know, zinc helps, uh, and zinc and manganese are really help with those uh, stress factors, especially when you get, you know, we're sitting in a spot here in southern Saskatchewan where they receive a lot of moisture, but it's almost to the point of flash flooding. So how do you get rid of some of that moisture? And again, that magnesium, that sulfur, all helps with porosity, getting water to move up and down in the soil, and sometimes getting after some of those strategic areas and just creating uh, better tillage, better water. And I know Brian really likes talking about tiling, but in some of these situations, you got to work with the surface uh, compaction that's going on too. So again, manganese copper really helps in those stressful times in the early part of germination. Talk to us about monitoring throughout the season. What do you see for technology coming to, to help us better look at all these nutrients that are in our crop, look at the health of our crop, and, and be able to, to, on a large scale, make adjustments in season? Well, what we're doing right now is we're working with a company in Canada here that's actually designed uh, some sap testing, and we're actually starting to do more monitoring with that right now. And then we're actually doing soil tests, right, at the same time that we're actually doing the set, pulling the pulling the plant because we can't pull leaves at this stage of the game because the plants are all too small. So we're trying to do some sap testing right now, and, you know, we're going to back that up with some tissue testing, but we actually have some other products out here, some AI products that we actually mount on the sprayer, and it actually is picking up the um, uh, index of the plant and how healthy it is by giving uh, uh, NDVI index also with um, near-infrared technology, and we actually have them running on top of the sprayers. So not only are we getting maps, but, you know, and sometimes we're using drones too to take and uh, find out where the anomalies are in the field. But um, right now we've been using this multispectral camera and starting to get some early onset data. to see where these plants because right now i think near infrared technology is really tried to uh you can see things far more efficiently than what the human eye can see so there's lots of good things that are coming and we sure look forward to all the different data that's coming out yeah that data really helps to make decisions and and when we can see where the differences are out there like you mentioned zinc i know that's one where We've been going through a drought here for the last three years and fields that are really short in zinc, that that hurts a lot. Zinc really helps with water utilization in crops, and if you don't have enough of it, you're going to find out real quick. So you mentioned disease tolerance, stress tolerance. you got copper. you got manganese. I mean, there are just so many of these nutrients that have a, a critical importance in, in plants. So monitoring them is going to be a big, big deal. Kellen, you're a busy guy. So appreciate if, appreciate you taking the time to talk today. One, you got time for one more point. We got one more minute. Yeah. Well, I was just going to throw out there. You know, I sit down with growers a lot, and we figure out what the quality of the grains are because we're dealing with a lot of cereal grains up here, and they have a scale of one to six. And boron and molybdenum, uh, I can't see enough of them. If you're having a, you know, your durum or your spring wheat or your barley, and it isn't as plump and you're getting the grade that you're looking for, that's when you really got to consider things like copper, but especially boron and molybdenum. 
And I know a lot of guys have tried using boron, but if you don't get the mixture of molybdenum with sulfur and potassium all in your soil, you can really fall short on getting good micronutrients and especially boron uptake in the plant. So just wanted to mention and, you know, let people out in the crowd know that if you're, you're having troubles with grade and, you know, that's, especially when it comes to cereals, boron and molybdenum play a huge, huge factor. Kellen Huber with Caltech Agronomy. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Hey, thank you very much. Take care of you guys. You bet. You too. Talking micronutrients on our show today. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stock roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stock breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamped.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. We're live in the Morton studio talking micronutrients. And just to wrap up that conversation, here are the main micronutrients we're often discussing. Zinc, copper, boron, iron, manganese, and from time to time, molybdenum as well. So let's break these up just a little bit. I, I brought up zinc and copper earlier. We really want you to look at your phosphorus to zinc ratio and your phosphorus to copper ratio. That's just as important, and I would argue more important than looking at, oh, I got to hit two parts per million or five parts per million or whatever somebody wants to tell you in parts per million. What we have found, what we've been able to prove on now tens of thousands of data points is that's not true. There is not like some minimum level you need to get to. You need to get that micronutrient in ratio with your phosphorus. That's the most important thing. So here's the other thing with it. Zinc and copper, and I'm going to throw boron in on this too. The dry is going to be, if if you have a lot of build you need to do, the dry is going to be cheaper than the liquid. Now, we love liquid for quick availability, for smaller issues, uh, just feeding the plant, things like that. Okay, But like with zinc and copper, those absolutely need to be in ratio with your phosphorus. Well, you're not going to put on 20 gallons of liquid zinc or something like that. So I'd take a look, a hard look at zinc sulfate and copper sulfate if you have big needs. So on our farm, for example, let's just say that we're at 80 parts per million on phosphorus, meaning I want to get to eight parts per million on zinc. Let's just say I was at two. <laughs> well, if you got to get if you got to build up by six, that's a lot. I, I mean, because you stop and think about it, you go, all right, six parts per million, you multiply times two, that's 12 pounds of actual zinc per acre. Well, zinc sulfates, let's call it roughly a third actual zinc. So that means you got to multiply your 12 times three, you got to put on 36 pounds of zinc sulfate. That's a lot of stuff. And same kind of thing with copper sulfate, although that ratio is a little bit better and easier, somewhere around 30 to 1. It, that's not an exact thing in both of these cases. These ratios I'm giving you, it all depends on your test and wh who's running the test, the type of test they run, that kind of thing. So don't take these as, oh, I have to be at exactly that. You can figure it out over time, just like we did. On and run the run the numbers, run soil tests versus yield, compare that over years. That's what we've done. And then we can really dial that in and that works well. With boron, what you want to take a look at there is your calcium to boron ratio. So this is one of the things I'll credit Rob Fritz with. Um, he, he's an agronomist. We do a lot of work with him. You'll see him at the Ag PhD field day. Every once in a while we have him here on the Ag PhD radio show. But anyway, He's just talked a lot about this 1,000 to 1 ratio of calcium to boron. We know that calcium safens boron. So the more calcium you have, that means the more boron you can have in your soil. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use these words, get by with it. The biggest thing that a lot of people say about boron is it's toxic. Well, everything's toxic if you overdo it. I mean, literally everything. Water's toxic if you overdo it, okay? So the key is, well, what's overdoing it and what's not? And that's going to vary for you, you and your soils, and it's going to vary for me and my soils because we have different calcium levels. So the more calcium you have, the more boron you can put on. Well, in some of our soils, we have 5,000 parts per million of calcium, which means theoretically we could have five parts per million of boron out there. And in some cases, we've done that. 
Well, when you're starting at 0.2 parts per million and you're trying to get all the way up to 5 parts per million, you're not going to do that with a liquid. You're going to put on a bunch of dry, and we've done it in the fall. So anyway, use caution with all these things. Start small. Try it on a small scale, low rates, everything else. But I'm just trying to tell you, zinc, copper, boron, I'd look real hard at the dries. And really, they're cheap. Okay, You are not going to spend a lot of money to fix your soils on zinc, copper, and boron. Iron and manganese, on the other hand, uh, they are expensive. So if you want to go out there and put a dry iron product or a dry manganese product on, get your checkbook out. Here's what we've done to make it much more reasonable in price. We just have gotten water treatment lime. So in water treatment lime, you'll typically find high levels of iron and high levels of manganese because those are two of the things that they're pulling out of the water before it goes to drinking water. So you can get that water treatment lime in some cases for nothing and it's loaded with iron and manganese. So you use a little bit of the water treatment lime, you fix your iron and your manganese problem, and then you see how your pH shakes out in the end. You might have to put some elemental sulfur on to drive the pH back down. But I'm just trying to tell you, if even if it was 100 miles away, I might seriously look at it because you might be able to do it cheaper than you could buying some iron or manganese locally. So just take a look at that, okay? Uh, oh, and with all these things, again, I said it earlier, but you can certainly use liquid to feed the plant, you know, provide a little bit for this year, do some foliar, put some in furrow. I mean, be careful with your, with all these, especially like boron in furrow. But, I, I mean, you can use very small amounts and get some result there, okay? I'm not saying you can't. What I'm talking about is fixing the soil. Like for us, we've got heavy soil. We've got high levels of some other nutrients. We need to get the micros in ratio, okay? So two kind of different things. But I will tell you, we do use still some liquid with all these micronutrients, just very low rates, to kind of supplement what we're doing on the dry side and also feed the plant at different times of the year when it might have a little more need than other times. The last one I wanted to mention is molybdenum. Because molybdenum is very different than these other nutrients. Soil pH is tremendously important for all those other others that I mentioned. So when you take a look at, and we, we talk about this in our soils clinics, iron, copper, manganese, zinc, even cobalt and nickel, they're much more available at low pHs. Okay, If you get a high pH, that's a problem, all of a sudden these nutrients aren't as available. So this is also one of the reasons why ideally we like seeing soil pHs in the sixes rather than the sevens or eights. I'm not saying you can't have, raise a great crop when your soil pH is high, but I am saying it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge with some of these micros, except for molybdenum. Molybdenum is actually more available in high pH soils. Okay, So if you've got an eight pH, the odds are your molybdenum is not a problem. Now, it could be, all right, and you only need a very small amount. <laughs> now, let, let me tell you one, one last story about molybdenum. So this is a few years ago, and we'd, we'd never really done much for soil testing or any uh, soil testing on molybdenum. So we started testing a few fields. Found out in a lot of cases, couldn't even detect it there, couldn't even find it. So if in some cases... I'm willing to overdo stuff when I feel like it's going to be a good thing. And people talked about, including Neil Kinsey, oh, we kind of want to get our molybdenum levels up to one part per million. 
So I just said, all right, well, if we have none, we're going for one part per million. That's, that means we need two pounds per acre. Okay. That all seems to make sense. And you go, all right, well, let's just put on two pounds per acre. Here's the problem. With molybdenum, it's considered a heavy metal. Well, you can't put on super high amounts on heavy metals. In fact, the US EPA, if you take a look at their restriction on it, they're going to tell you annually per year in soils that have a six and a half pH or above, um, and I don't know what it is for below that, I apologize, but I know what it is for six and a half pH or above, 0.8 pounds of molybdenum per acre. That is what you are limited to according to the EPA. <laughs> so... I didn't know that. Fortunately, I found out we didn't put on any super high rate. Now, you can have a lot more in your soil. You can have 16 pounds in your soil. It's not a problem. But, I mean, according to the EPA, but you can only legally apply 0.8 pounds of actual molybdenum per year. So, in other words, if you're at zero right now, you're trying to get to one part per million, you're going to have to do this over a period of years. So, anyway, I just... I thought it was kind of funny that it's like, oh, well, let me just fix the problem all in one shot. I'll write the check. No, no, no. You can't do that. You can't legally put that much on. And also, there are other things where you go, hey, wait a second. Uh, zinc, that's a metal also. Are we limited on zinc? Yeah, you are. But you can put on 124 pounds of zinc per year. You don't want to do that, but you can put that much on legally in a heavy soil. In a light soil, 0 to 5 CEC, so basically pure sand, legally you can only put on 25 pounds of zinc per year, according to the EPA. So anyway, interesting stuff you may never have heard before. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals while our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about micronutrients, but as you know, any agronomic topic is always on the table here. Whatever you'd like to discuss, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Ted, to those phone lines, we got Ryan on with us right now out in Indiana. Wants to talk a little about fulvic acid. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. What can we do for you? Good. Well, I saw your show, uh, the TV show on the folic and the humic acid. And it intrigued me. I was able to get some folic acid. It's a 20% formula. What do you recommend? I've cut from your show to put that with, um, oh, for heaven's sakes, <laughs> fungicide. Fungicide, yeah. To put, yeah, to put that with fungicide. Um, I'm also earlier going to go over the corn and the soybeans, since you're talking micronutrients, with ZMB which zinc manganese and boron okay where where would you recommend putting the folic acid with the fungicide or the zmb or both you can do it with both so let's step back for a second here on our farm we hadn't ever used fulvic acid until probably what darren five years ago eight years ago no it's probably a little more than that because here's how we started using it uh back uh something like eight years ago for our Ag PhD mm-hmm. field day, we started having a number of high-yield farmers have plots on our farm. And, and so our research lead, Glenn, he would apply all the stuff that these guys wanted applied at any time of the year. Well, a bunch of them wanted fulvic acid together with things like micronutrients and fungicides. And the reason why, they said, is we believe we're getting more into the plant and we're getting more result. So as we've done more yep. testing with it, too, that's basically what we've seen. Now, I'm not going to tell you it's 20 more bushels or anything like that, uh, but you don't yeah, have right. to spend much. And But here's the problem. There's no set no. Um, standard for fulvic acid. So in yeah. other words- There's not enough regulation there right. where we know for sure what, what each one has. Right. So when you tell me it's a 20%, honestly, that's, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's truly 20%. So I can't okay. tell you, well, put four ounces with your stuff, put eight ounces with your stuff. All I can really tell you to do is just listen to whatever the people that sold the stuff to you tell you, try some of that out and go from there. So the product we end up using uh, costs us $3 an acre 
to four. So that's all yep. we're spending. And as long as you're doing that, and at the biggest suggestion I would have for you is try it on a small scale and make sure that yep. you, you leave a bunch that's, you know, without the fulvic acid and then just see if you're seeing results. But the big thing is if you're only going to spend three or $4 an acre like us, you go, okay, yep. well, that's less than a bushel. Uh, so in other words, if I get even one bushel gain, it more than paid for itself. So you got to look really close and actually weigh the stuff out <laughs> to determine if you get right. one bushel, two, three, whatever. A lot of times that's kind of what we see is one to three extra bushels, but for as little as we spend, it, it it's fine. Now, every once in a while, we do see more than that. But I mean, I wouldn't count on a, a big gain very often. Yeah. Well, with the... Uh... <clears throat> With the, the box and the jug, there is no recommendations as to how much to use. We actually had to call the manufacturer, sure, and they came up with a quart to the acre. Uh, so, that could uh, be. So how much would that, what what would you be spending per acre then? Um, can't tell you right offhand. Okay. <clears throat> well, all I'm getting at is if it amounts to 10 or $20 an acre... <laughs> then that's a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. We are spending $3 to $4 an acre. That's it. So as long as we're, well, we're down into yeah. that ballpark, five bucks or less, it's probably going to be okay. But if you're spending okay. a crazy amount, um, I, I, I would question that. So let's just say, well, for example, can, it was yeah. $10. Um, I'd try it at the rate they recommended. Then I would try some at half the rate, and then I'd try some untreated, ah. and then just see what you see. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm only trying it on 40 acres. So, sure. you know, it's not, not doing the whole farm. You know, yeah. Yeah. To see. <clears throat> so, uh, if you had your choice between the ZMB or the uh, fungicide, you would lean towards the fungicide. That's yeah, what I got I from would. your TV show. Yep. I would. Okay. I think I'll lean towards that. Just leave the ZMB alone. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah. I, I mean, the the whole thing is, and we like trying different things out on our farm. It, it's a, it's more work. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But honestly, yeah, if it yeah. was me and I said, I got 40 acres worth of this stuff, I'd probably try 20 with my foliar fertilizer. I'd try 20 with my foliar fungicide, and then I'd just see what we get. So anyway, yeah. that that's probably okay. what I would do, but- yeah, you, you do whatever you want. I, and Brian, I think, and think Ryan, the fungicide would be better. My brother would yep. have like 10 jugs that are half full left at the end of the year, just what? so no. you know what you're getting into. No, no, no. I like using stuff up. I like using stuff up. So we're going to figure out a way to use it up, but we are going to do small quantities, small trials first. But that untreated check, I can't tell you how important that is because we've had some things yep. before. Well, let's put it this way. Darren believes more things will work than I do. I'm usually very very skeptical. I'm a little, I'm a little optimistic. <laughs> and I'm more <laughs> pessimistic. Well, it's fine. I, I always say, look, I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather have Darren be right and I was wrong because now if my if we'd have gone with my idea, we would have lost money. So I want to go with whatever works best. I don't really care. I'm fine being wrong, but we, we don't know unless we compare it. Well, I'm going to put the fungicide on both corn and beans. Sure. So I'm going to have a 20-acre trial oh, on gotcha. corn and a 20-acre trial on beans. Yeah, sounds good. All so, right. All right. That sounds good. Yep. Sounds great. Good luck, Ryan. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. See you. Mm -hmm. All right, Brian, uh, we just got nitrogen results back on our farm doing a little bit of testing, and I got a question that came in from Really, Doug. really high. 
And he said, I, I just got soil tests back. I sent into Neil Kinsey's lab. I pulled multiple six-inch soil tests, which showed I had 80 pounds of nitrogen in the nitrate test anyway. Do you think I have enough nitrogen to produce 180 bushels of corn? We've only had one inch of rain since planting. We had applied 160 units of N at the time. And our tissue tests right now show our nitrogen levels are good. I'm glad he brought up the tissue tests. Because while we like tissue tests, tissue tests are not predictive. They will only tell you how you, how's your crop doing today. Won't tell you how it's going to do tomorrow. So, well, it's nice to know that information about, okay, the crop's doing fine today. It's much better to have soil tests. And when you tell me 80 pounds, I'm concerned, but it might be okay. Here's the thing. Like on our farm, we just did a whole bunch of pre-side nitrate tests. And we call them pre-side even though this year we're going to do no side dress because we got plenty of nitrogen that's sitting there. We've been using a lot of manure. We put on a lot, a lot of nitrogen up front because we're raising silage corn. We're in a very dry area, and we have real heavy soils. A lot of our soils are 20 to 30 CEC. We can hold a crazy amount of N. But here's the thing. When we did our, our nitrate tests, I'll just call them, we did 0 to 12 inch and 12 to 24 inch because we have heavy soil and not a lot of rain. If you add pure sand, then your 12 to 24 inch data might be no good because next week you could get two inches of rain in one shot and all the 12 to 24 inch nitrate just leached away. I, so I don't know what your soil type is like, number one. Number two, you only went to six inches deep, so there very well could be another 80 pounds in the very next six inches. And if you had 160 pounds in your top 12 inches, I'd feel great. I mean, in most soils. But again, I don't know your soil type. And then the other thing I don't know is how much soil organic matter you have. So, for example, if you had 5% organic matter, I would expect 100 to maybe even 150 pounds of nitrogen will come available just out of the organic matter over the course of the entire year. But if you had 1% soil organic matter, you'd have very little nitrogen coming available. So where I'm going with this is I'd like to see a deeper test. I'd like to see your cation exchange capacity level. And I'd like to see your soil organic matter level. If I know those three things, then I can give you a better answer to your question. Um, but the other, and I guess I should throw one more thing out there too. Uh, did he say how far along his corn was? He did say not sage? have the growth stage. Okay, because that's going to help us a lot too. If we're at V5, we need 90% of the nitrogen yet. If we're at V, I think it's 13, we only need roughly 75% of the nitrogen yet. So I that's the other thing that I don't know. So I just, I need a little bit more information. I'm a little concerned about 80 pounds, but when you only test it to six inches, that's not deep enough to truly tell us how much nitrogen's out in that field. All right, thanks for that question. And uh, Michael sent in one real quick here, Brian. He said, you talked about Roundup and 240 not to spray it on the garden. I already did. Now how long do I have to wait? Well, with a 240, honestly, I'm probably waiting a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting at least two weeks and applying a lot of water out there yes. to try to flush that out. Yep. Thanks for the question. Thanks to you for listening to today's program. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.